when you deliver a zip zap zop game, which is an improvisational game I learned in summer camp as a high school kid, when, when you introduce that, it's like, oh coach, this is kind of silly. And then they get into it and then you see their mindset change and all of a sudden they're having fun. And then you're like, all right, here we go. Let's jump into practice. And practice is like, you know, head and shoulders above the day before. That's when you see the value of just giving the kids a little bit of time to switch from being a student into being an athlete. Welcome to the Mindset Coach Academy podcast. My name is Lindsay Wilson, and today I got to sit down with James Lee. Now, James is a friend of mine, someone I've known for a while, and he's been a colleague uh, in the mindset coaching world. He's a mental strength coach for elite performers in business and athletics. He teaches leadership character, mental resiliency through keynotes, workshops, and online courses. You can learn more about him at jamesleith.com. He also has a master's in sports psychology. But you know what I love about James is he is so real and he gives super actionable things that if you're a mindset coach or if you're a coach or if you're trying to improve in life, we got it for you today. We go over how improv can improve your coaching and your leadership. He has a game he calls Zip Zap Zop that's going to help your athletes learn to get over failure, if you can believe that, and this silly little game that he teaches, and he's going to talk about it today in the podcast. He also talks about how he uses breath work and cold plunges to improve his mental toughness. And he also gives some things to read, especially if you coach men or if you coach women, a couple books that I think that you're going to really like. And he also talks about something that he calls the Mr. Rogers effect, which I think is maybe the main takeaway from today's training when you think about how to lead and how to coach better, how to show up better as a human. So I will get right off here and let us get right to the interview. James Leith, everybody. All right, James, we're live. How are you? <laughs> so good. How are you? See, I, people can't probably, some people will see this, but mm -hmm. they can't exactly see that you have a cute little doggy behind you. Yes. Uh, this is Tux. Hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah, he's freshly bathed and freshly uh, combed. Well, me too. Well, I did it up for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, working from home. It's like I don't have a, a team of people. You know, I look forward to these kind of conversations because talks like, I don't know what he speaks Spanish. So I don't I don't know what he's saying when he talks. I have no idea what he's saying, um, but he's always there for me. Remind me, go outside, get a walk, you know, see yeah. some sunshine. Right. You get the so horizon. Yeah, well, you know, we we created our, our offices to feel comfortable in, and now it's like, they're almost like jail cells. I know, <laughs> like, I know. We're in it all the time. Well, let's talk about let's talk about that and where your mindset is, where your business is right now. I want to get into all of it, but let's start with what's going on with you right now. Well, you know, over the last two years, we you know we've gone very virtual, very digital, and it's become something where it's a viable option. Whereas before it was like, oh, I don't know if I want to go digital, but because so many people have done it for so long, now it's it's a solid option to, mm -hmm. to help people to get to this high performance mindset to, to really just kind of better themselves. And so I've been leaning on that heavily the last two years, but now we're getting into the point where you can be live in front of teams. Yeah. You can work with them, you know, one-on-one -on -one or in big group settings and stuff, not digital. So it's this interesting transition back to being live which is the best. There's no replacement for, for mm -hmm. being live. 
you know, but I'm sure, you know, the virtual stuff that you guys that you have going on um, is probably booming right now, right? Because it's all virtual and people are used to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely uh, miss some of the live, but as you know, when I started having babies, I kind of, I had my own sort of uh, lockdown. Right. So I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went virtual yeah. like six years ago. And, um, but you know, you and I, like we're trying to, to I need to talk about you, talk to, with you about this later. We're trying to plan a retreat for our insiders. And, you know, oh, there yeah. is something about um, that FaceTime, but so tell me where your business is at right now and where you are personally and what, what are you working on um, with your mindset? Well, what I've leaned into over the last couple of years really is creating resources for coaches because mm -hmm. um, yeah. I remember being a teacher. I remember uh, having a full load of English classes, teaching at the high school, and then also coaching, but then also thinking I need to do more than just strategy and right. conditioning. I, I need to set up opportunities for these athletes to actually learn the mindset, mm -hmm. to learn leadership, to, to discover character and start chipping away at who they are. And now that I'm not in the educational setting formally, I thought, you know what, I'll just create curriculum. So the curriculum that I create is plug and play. It's mm. like, here's a PowerPoint, here are the notes in the PowerPoint, you can literally pull it up and then just start a conversation with your athletes talking mm -hmm. about resiliency, goal setting, imagery, uh, mindfulness, the breathing, you and I talk about the breathing, how yeah. important that is. And uh, so that's, that's been like the focus. Um, I've got a book being published in a couple of weeks called team building activities for athletes. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you, it's just all the activities that we've done through summer camps for years, right? But then you, right. you do them with with these athletes. And what happens is you get them into that childlike mindset, mm -hmm. and they perform at a higher level because they're having fun. And it right. breaks the monotony of just practice and learning new plays and then strategy and, and then conditioning and it's like, wait a minute, let's get to know each other. So that way, in the heat of battle, we can trust one another mm. because we, we put that time in beforehand. So some coaches look at it as like silly activities. Other coaches realize the power of, of gluing their teams together through intentional conversations yeah. about what, you know, what are your beliefs? What, how do those beliefs manifest into the things that you value? And then also how do those values manifest themselves into the habits that you have so that you have the consequences that you're, you're looking for. Those don't happen on accident. Yeah. And when you want to build a solid culture, you have to be intentional about those conversations or you're just not going to know your athletes. You can't have a, uh, a playbook that's thicker than your player personnel book, like mm. understanding your athletes. And so I think that's where a lot of coaches maybe miss it a little bit and that they don't spend time getting to know the student before the athlete. Yeah. Well, I love that too. And that's a big part of our focus too. But I just love how tangible that stuff is because the big thing I see is people are either like bringing in a sports psychologist, mindset coach, high performance coach, you know, even like you and I, or they're doing nothing. Right. And, or they want to do something and they don't know where to start because they, like yeah. you said, they have a day job, they have a family and it's right. like, you know, a Tuesday afternoon, maybe they have the time to do some of this, but just because you have the time doesn't mean you know what you don't know what to do. Right. And you can go on YouTube and find some free stuff, but you're going to be watching cat videos or something, you know? And it's like, they just, the, this stuff isn't that complicated. I and mean, the basic stuff, you know, the, you know, the, the first things that we teach, and yet, if you don't know what to do, you end up doing nothing because you get overwhelmed. So I love that you're giving them the actionable tools. Yeah. yeah. And you bring up a great point in that it's it seems overwhelming. 
because Mm -hmm. like when I tell people how important it is to read, you and I are readers. And, you know, when you people graduate high school or college, they're like, okay, my education's done. It's like, no, no, you need to read. But then they're like, yeah, but I don't have time to read 30 pages or to read for an hour. It's like, whoa, you got to (laughs) release yourself from that kind of rule. As an adult, the best part of being an adult is the rules that govern our lives we created and we can change those rules. Yeah. That's one of the best parts of being an adult. And so when you're a coach and you think I need to teach mental resiliency, I need to teach character, release yourself from thinking I need a 30 minute presentation. Mm -hmm. I need a 45 minute like activity. It's like, no, 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 no. You need 10 minutes at a whiteboard and let the genius of the room, which is your athletes, let them speak their mind. Because as a coach, I still, I'm still in the trenches. I still coach football and basketball and baseball. I often learn more from my athletes than they learn from me about life. Just let them talk. Let them be seen. You know, that movie Avatar where it says, instead of they say, I love you, they say, I see you. Mm -hmm. And if we can give our athletes an opportunity to to be seen, oh, they'll run through brick walls for us. You know, and that that just, I love that. So what would you say to a coach that's like, you know, the high school math coach, that's also the wrestling coach, that's also the club coach, and they want to implement something, they don't have a lot of time, and they don't know what that thing is. What's the low hanging fruit? What would you say to to that coach to do, you know, this week or next month or whatever? Yeah, well, you and I are are kindred spirits in that we give a lot of stuff away for free. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like You can go to our websites, and you can get enough stuff to, to fill up an entire season. And Sometimes that's all that's enough, where it's just okay, you've got your braver thing. If you mm-hmm. throw in um, that at the end of practice or at the end of a competition and just let them be aware, like as mental coaches, I think we're really just teaching awareness. We're helping these athletes get um, the distractions away, but it's just creating a sense of like you are in charge of more than you think you are, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Athlete. Like you mm-hmm. can do more, you can change how you feel. And so right away, I would tell coaches to just give space for the athletes to talk, Mm. you know, ask them, what do you think integrity means? Oh, I don't know. Okay. Well, there's a 10 minute conversation. Let's make sure these athletes at the end of this talk, understand that integrity is you do what you say you're going to do. And you have a little analogy. One of the analogies I like to do is I draw a boat on the marker board and I put a little hole in the boat. And I go, when you lie or when you cheat or when you steal, or whatever, it's a little hole. It's not going to stink the boat, but it's going to get a little wet. Mm-hmm. And you can plug that hole. But if you keep doing it, now you have more holes. And all of a sudden, it's out of control. Well, that's your character. That's, you know, I, I wrote an article years ago called uh, Talent Gets You Noticed, Character Gets You Recruited. Because mm-hmm. when you and I were younger, coaches had to take a chance on us for four years. Like, yeah. I hope it's going to work out. Now they go to your Twitter and they're like, it's not going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> we are not going to do it. We're not paying for all these poor kids. Yeah. You know, and it, I am so blessed that at 15, I didn't have Twitter. Yeah. Because yeah. there would be stuff on there. Cause I was an idiot. Like the things that I used <laughs> to think when you're 15, 16 years old, you're like, I got this world figured out. And then you yeah. get on your own. You're like, wow, my parents didn't have a clue. And neither do I, you know? <laughs> so I think one of the things you can do right away is just leave space for the kids to be able to talk a little bit and have just one theme, whether mm-hmm. it's like, what is, wh- how many types of leaders, you know, if we're all leaders on the team, how do you lead? How does that show up? 
and then let them know it doesn't have to be the one who yells. It doesn't have to be the one who's best. It doesn't have to be anybody who has any special skills. Just lead yourself. And then you start putting these different paradigms in these kids' minds, and they may have never heard that before. You know, when I do my Building Men of Character series with guys, I tell them, okay, a man forgives, a man loves. And you'd be amazed, Lindsay, that like people are like, the guys are like, I, I never thought that I could do that. I've never seen that model. And it's like, yeah, that, that's it. And that's a five-minute conversation. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be overwhelming. And I think of what you said earlier with the, with the coaches getting overwhelmed. They don't have to. So I, I, can hear, I can hear people thinking this in their head, maybe not saying it out loud as they're listening to this. Okay. One is, I don't know if I have the time. The other is, what if I get eye rolls? Right. And the other yeah. thing is, um, what if nobody talks? So what would you say to a coach, you know, yeah. that those are sort of, that's probably one of many different things that objections that could no, come you up. Nailed time, it. But, those are, you nailed know. it. Those are the objections. Yeah. So the, so the eye roll, lean into it because it is silly. It's silly because these kids haven't heard it before. Mm-hmm. And as the adult, you are the storyteller. You are the creator of meaning. And so when kids are like, oh, coach is talking about character again. Well, that's on, that's on you, coach, mm-hmm. because you haven't talked about character yet. Mm-hmm. And you have to start somewhere. Because if you start doing that, the next year, the kids are like, yeah, we, we talk about character. We talk about mental <laughs> yeah, resilience. I don't know the difference. You to, yeah, you have to start somewhere. And so it's all in how you deliver it. When you deliver a zip, zap, zop game, which is an improvisational game I learned in summer camp as a high school kid. When, when you introduce that, it's like, oh, coach, this is kind of silly. And then they get into it. And then you see their mindset change. And all of a sudden, they're having fun. And then you're like, all right, here we go. Let's jump into practice. And practice is like, you know, head and shoulders above the day before. That's when you see the value of just giving the kids a little bit of time to switch from being a student into being an athlete. There has what to be some kind of transition that? there. So it's this game where you stand in a circle, <laughs> about 10 people, and uh, you clap your hand and you point to somebody and you say zip. Oh, yeah. And the next person, the, whoever I pointed to you, you would say zap to someone else. And then that person would say zop. And you just yeah. keep going zip, zap, zap, zip, zap, zap. And eventually someone messes up. Yeah. And then when somebody messes up, instead of like laughing at them or like, you know, we all clap and that person has to bow because now what we're doing is we're teaching them. Love this. Right. You're teaching them that it's okay to fail, but they don't know you're teaching them that. Right. And so you put that in their head beforehand and now they're trying things at practice that they, then they fail. And we're like, oh, that was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Because we're so afraid as humans. As, yeah. uh, for I- embarrassing ourselves yeah. when you can make it normal when you can make it acceptable now i'm not so afraid to take that shot yeah. from the opposite side or i'm not i'm not so afraid to do a left-handed layup oh my god I love that's it. gonna suck right so little things like that yeah. that's yeah. what I, I uh i took an improv class like three years ago and we did so i i can't remember if it was zip zap stop but i remember doing the clapping thing and pointing it to somebody it was probably um, that yeah it's yeah a very, it's a and staple so, in improv yeah yeah. Uh, well, you've done some acting. So have, have you taken the oh. improv classes? <laughs> so I went to my first improvisational comedian show uh, when I was 22 and they called me up on stage and I stayed for two years. It's uh. <laughs> like so zero improv training. They pulled me up on stage. We did the activity, made up something. I don't know. And I started walking off and they go, do you want to stay? And I go, yeah. So I stayed the rest of the show. There's only 30 people. It was like theater that. sports or something, right? 
it was just we were at a place yeah. called Parnini's in Fresno, California, and people <laughs> were paying six dollars at the door, and all five of us would split the door. Yeah. And I'd walk away with like 40 bucks or something, but I but all night long I'd be creating stuff. Yeah. At the same time that I was doing that, I was playing semi-pro football in central California. Yeah. And during one of the um one of the water breaks, the coach came up to me and was like, You're the quarterback. You need to change their mindset. This practice is going horrible. I literally pulled up all my my my, my linemen and stuff, and I was like, Hey, we're gonna play a game called Zip Zap Zap. And I got the eye rolls. Amazing. I love this. I got the eye rolls. You know, I got, I got the, uh, this is going to be dumb. And we started playing. Coach had to stop us. Guys, we have to get back to practice. Yeah. Practice was completely 180. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, the coach pulls me up and he goes, what did you guys do during the water break? And I started explaining. He was like, okay, stop, shut up. I don't care. (laughs) Just do it every day. So water break went from five minutes to 10 minutes. And that 10 minutes I was on. Yeah. And, I, and it was a halftime. Well, that translated into the game because then at the game, we're having a first half. We go into the locker room. It's halftime. Well, we've been here before because we did it at practice. I'm going to do something stupid. We're going to do something silly. Mm-hmm. We're going to change our mindset. We're going to go out there and win the game. And it happened time and time again. So I just started implementing those in, in practices for as a coach. So mm-hmm. I've been teaching improv yeah. for 20 years now. Yeah. And that's been like the, the, just the, the crutch of, uh, not the crutch, but the, the, the main thing that I do with these athletes. And it's so much fun. One of the ones I love doing is when I work with uh, NFL guys who are going into the draft, they need media training. And what I would do is I would put them up on stage in front of all their peers. And I would ask them a question, whatever word, if I said, uh, how was your workout yesterday? They have to think about the last word I said, and it ends in a Y. And they have to start their sentence with why, the letter Y. So, you know, or, um, you know, whatever it is, but it makes them think about it instead of just saying the same thing over and over. And if they mess up, we all clap. And then he gets off stage and a new person goes on stage. And so you get used to failing in front of your peers, which is the Mm -hmm. most scariest thing. Yeah. Those kind of things, um, when a coach is like, how do I implement this kind of stuff? Is you have to just lean into, it's different. And people always have different reactions to change. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do this kind of thing, you're going to get the eye rolls. You're going to get the parents are like, stop wasting time. You're going to get the administrators like, I don't understand. And you can just be like, look, this is why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. It's mindset training. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to teach them wrestling, but I'm also trying to let them know that we're playing a game. Let's have fun. Mm-hmm. And let's and the winning, like, uh, you know, the winning takes care of itself. I love all that. I, I was I remember scribbling notes when I was taking the improv class and I was like this is gonna be great for in-person stuff and then of course COVID happened and I never did another one for two years but that is it's so cool and so inspiring and I can imagine some of our listeners are going to be implementing zip zaps up so oh well it, you're gonna have plenty of stuff for your intensive so whether I'm there or not like I'm gonna equip you like you're gonna have <laughs> I'm going to give you it. all this stuff. Because oh, you got to come. You got to come. So all I these do. kind of exercises are going to be in your book. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I've got, I've got the course available oh, at, on wait. my website, but I just decided to make it a book. I've been yes. wanting, I've got like 10 books inside me. Oh, I know. And I need to, you know, just like you, it's like, I need to break the seal. And so the easiest one is this. My next one is actually, I don't think I've told you about it, but uh, I wrote, you remember the boy who cries wolf. Mm-hmm. So I wrote that story, but from the wolf's perspective. Interesting. And so it's a children's book, right? It's a fable. So the wolf comes over and the third time the boy is crying wolf, 
nobody comes except the wolf. And she said, her name's Artemis, which is the Greek goddess of women and children and of the forest. And she's like, what? <laughs> like, and he goes, oh, I, I didn't mean to call you. And, and so basically her whole thing is teaching this boy how to not be a victim, but how to be a valuable member of society. And that if you contribute, that's how you find purpose. You don't find your purpose. You do things and your purpose finds you. Mm-hmm. And so just becoming valuable. And so if you're on a team and you're an, if you're an, if you're a coach, give your athletes ways to participate and don't always make it like if you're a starter and you're in the game, that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Not because I, I don't know if you played sports that you weren't good at in high school, but I played volleyball and I was terrible. I was so bad, but I was also voted a captain because I found my role and it had nothing to do with performance. I had Wilson tattoos all over my body. <laughs> like I was not good. I could get hit by the ball, but I couldn't hit it back over the net. But I was a captain because I understood that leadership is more than performance. But I only got that because my coach told me that that was possible. Mm. He's like, you got voted a captain. I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. I'm terrible. He goes, it has nothing to do with your performance. It has everything to do with your personality and how you keep this team together. It's like, wow, what a lesson to learn as a senior in high school about to leave and go to college. Yeah. And that was because the coach gave me a different paradigm, a different thing to think about of what leadership is. So what is your focus right now with your business? You're working with coaches. You're kind of ramping up some of the in-person stuff. You have the virtual and the courses and that kind of stuff. Yeah. What is your where are you going? Where are you now? What are you, what are your struggles? What are your challenges? What's your mindset around yeah. what you're doing right now? Well, the mindset, I'll answer that one first. The mindset is I'm, I'm feeling very encouraged because you and I, a lot of our peers have quit. Mm-hmm. A lot of our, a lot of the speakers have gone and gotten quote unquote real jobs because they don't see uh, how much potential is out there where you and I are like, it's like this story that these two shoe salesmen go to Africa and a month later, one of them calls and goes, hey, boss, bad news. They don't wear shoes here. And the other guy calls his boss. He's like, hey, boss, <laughs> great news. They don't wear <laughs> shoes here. <laughs> we're going to sell a lot of shoes. Oh, right? God, I love that. And so like you and I are sitting here and we're just like, there's, there's much room. And so when someone's like, oh, there's enough mental coaches out there. It's like, no, no, there's not. <laughs> there's so much space for somebody to yeah. take one of your courses. And now one of my favorite people is in one of your courses, you know? Yeah. And she's doing and great. I, she's amazing. Yeah. She's got such a story. Have you heard her, her keynote, her testimony? I have not. Yeah. She's, she's awesome. She's a fighter pilot and stuff. So, yeah. but um, when somebody takes that, it's like, look, the work is there. If you yeah. put in the time. Now my struggle is not in creating curriculum. It's not delivery. It's yeah, not having conversations like this. It's advertising myself. Sure. You know, so having a business coach or having somebody who does my marketing, I'm hiring somebody to do my social media. So I don't even have to look at it anymore, mm-hmm. you know, but just things like that. I think that's probably my biggest struggle, but where I'm headed is I'm not actually doing anything more. I'm just doing more of what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. So I'm not trying to branch out into other things because I just, my whole purpose is to teach high school and college athletes the things that I wish I knew at Mm -hmm. their age, that they don't have to wait until they're 30 or 35 to to realize that there are different ways to lead. There are different types of friendships. There are different types of communication. There are different things that we can master ourselves and add value because we're investing in ourselves. 
And what's that thing for you right now as a, as a business person or as a human being? Follow up. Like it's the follow up. It's, it's making a connection with somebody and then following up to make sure, because we have all these distractions. Now you and I were connected on the Instagram and we, you know, often call each other for advice and stuff. But outside of that, you connect with somebody that you want to do work with. It can fizzle out if you don't yeah. follow up yeah. a sales call, you know, the it's, it's all in the follow up. And so I think that's probably my biggest thing that I need to get better at this year is uh, just following through with, with things that people want to do and like, yeah, let's, let's do that. But then also not getting overwhelmed, having yeah. a system, right? Like mm -hmm. you teach about systems and systems are so much better. They, they make goals inevitable when you have the right system. Mm -hmm. So what are your day, what, what is your, what are your days? What does your day to day look like as far as being a business coach as a mindset coach? Like, you know, there's not everybody that listens to this podcast is a mindset coach, but right. enough are, or enough are thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about like, what does it actually look like for you to do what you do? Yeah. So that's a great question. And I think people will be surprised to think that I work on myself as much as I do in my business. Yeah. So I, I spent, I was on calls for three hours this morning, mm -hmm. um, right after that. And that started at 6am right after that, I had about three and hours. What kind of calls were those? Were those coaching calls? So, yeah. So it was like a, um, the gymnast coach at Ohio state, um, a basketball coach in Batavia, Batavia high school, and then, um, a college athlete, a quarterback who's, so these are clients. These are all clients. Yeah. Okay. And so I had like hour conversations, half an hour, yeah. whatever it is. And then I spent three hours reading. And wow. right now I'm going through uh, all the books. I did this a couple of years ago. All the books that we were supposed to read in high school, like Catcher in the Rye, yeah, yeah. Um, The Man in the Sea, Great Gatsby. I'm reading those again. And reading those as like a 42 year old guy, you have all this life experience. Yeah. And so you're reading about Gatsby and Nick is talking about his neighbor, how he's crazy and he's in love with, with Daisy yeah. uh, Buchanan. And, yeah. and you, I have life experience to, yeah. to actually add to that or the catcher in the rye where you have um, Holden Caulfield is like going through life and not understanding that like you're a kid and you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And like mm -hmm. there's a whole world out there, but he wants to do it on his own and learn all the lessons. So like reading that and, but then, but then I, read like business books. And years ago, my life was changed by Jillian Michaels, who was like the biggest loser yeah. trainer, right? So I was at a conference and I was backstage about ready to speak. And um, she was going on after me. And we just got in this conversation. And I was like, you know, what do you read? And this was when I was a full-time trainer. It's like 28, yeah. 29. She goes, I know what you read. And I go, what? She goes, you read books on like nutrition and weights and lifting. And I go, yeah. He was like, she goes, and she was a cursor. She's like, you need to stop all that sheesh right now. And I go, what? She goes, your clients are lying to you all the time. You need to read books on influence, on leadership, on how to read somebody, on psychology. Mm -hmm. And that's where everything changed for me. Because as a trainer, I stopped reading books about nutrition and fitness. I started reading books about the mindset. And I was at 28. And so that you changed. sort of transitioned from being a, like basically a personal trainer to, I mean, my friends that are personal trainers are life coaches. My, they're mindset they're coaches. They're all life coaches, but I, I mean, got tired of being in the dungeon all day. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, sets and reps. Cause I believe that fitness is the gateway to personal development. Yeah. You know, I've, I've lost 15 pounds and we talked about this before the call since December 1st Yeah. because I just want to feel better. Yeah. But what's amazing is when you lose that weight, it's like you're shedding it's like mm -hmm. you're building your character. You're, you're yeah. you know, when, when Michelangelo was carving David, it's like, it was always David, 
but he had to carve away all the different marble. Right. And so I feel like I, I can, like I went to the mailbox the other day and it was raining and I had to run the whole way there. It felt so great to just run all the way there, get the mail, run all the way back. And then oh, that, I'm fine. Like, except for the stairs, no matter how shape I am, <laughs> stairs kick my ass every single time, no matter how good a shape I'm in stairs, just get me. <laughs> and you'll be sore too. No matter how good your calves mm -hmm. will be on fire the next day. Yeah. So that's my, that's my typical day is I, I spend about as much time investing in me because when you and I get phone calls, when people in our position get texts, emails, whatever, we are expected to have an answer. Mm -hmm. And so the more I can work on myself and the more I can actually do this stuff, like I was in Cabo two weeks ago for a mastermind. And one of the main speakers is a guy named Raul. And he came out and he was like, I am the fire. And he's like hitting his chest and he's like doing this. And he was, he was too much for a lot of people, to be honest. He was a very Tony Robbins-esque type guy. I loved it, but like, you know, people were good. They were not, they're not happy with them. Well, the next morning, and you'll be able to relate to this. I saw him out on the beach and he was doing the things that he taught from the stage by himself, not to show, mm -hmm. but just preparing himself and, and speaking out to the ocean and throwing affirmations out there. And I thought that is so great because you and I have both seen speakers from the stage talk about something and then backstage they're not that person. Mm -hmm. And so it was very refreshing to see somebody who is on stage and also off stage, the exact same person. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to be is just try to be consistent in that mindset of like, I'm here to serve. Mm -hmm. I'm here to help others find their purpose. Yeah. I'm okay with that. And sometimes it empties me out and I got to figure out ways to fill my cup back up. Yeah. And you know, I always do that. Well, I mean, I think I, I see that both in my students and in myself, that, that sense of authenticity of really yeah. practicing what you preach. But I see it with coaches a lot too, of like, you know, for us, when people come to us, you and I, it oftentimes if they're coaches, they want to solve a problem with their team, right? Sure. Like they want better competitors or they want more confidence or they're, they're not tough enough or whatever. And that is solvable but it has to come from their energetic shift first. And I think that's where a lot of people don't actually want to do the work. You know, like what is their mindset and are they living this truth? And are they able to hold the mirror up and think about the ways that they're leading and not leading and doing the hard work on themselves first before they get to working on their team? What do you do you get coaches to do that? And, and if not, are they just, are they not bought in? Do they not know where to start? I mean, is that part of what you do with teams and individuals? Yeah. So you, you hit it. Like, so fear is what keeps most coaches who are not into what you and I do. Mm -hmm. They're just like, because if I start closing my eyes and intentionally breathing and opening up mental doors, I don't know if I can fight the monster behind that door. I don't know if I have enough time got three kids at home. I've got mm -hmm. a full caseload of, of kids. I've got IEP meetings after school. I also have to make practice design practice. That one parent keeps emailing me and oh my gosh, she's going to get yep. me fired. Like, yep. you know, I've all these things. Totally. Like, I don't have time to sit there. And so then I remember when I was in wrestling in my high school years where Mr. McKinney at the end of practice for five minutes, he would turn off all the lights and he would have, and he would turn the heater up and he would just be like, let's breathe as a team. And for mm -hmm. five minutes, we would just be like, and when you do that kind of stuff, it just, it just clears the mind. Mm -hmm. And he didn't, he didn't have like a big lesson to teach or anything. Yeah. He just gave us the space 
to be fully human. Yeah. And I remember in some of those times I would start crying because of the pressures of being a high school athlete. But there's a lot and it's yeah. a lot more now than it was. Yeah. But giving me the space to just sit there, the lights are closed. I don't have to worry about anybody. It's one of my favorite things about hot yoga. So if I'm having a bad day and I start crying for some reason, nobody knows. <laughs> I could just, <laughs> I could just literally just let it down on the mat, and uh, and it feels so good, you know. Which it, it goes to a whole nother thing that I I just talked to a coach about, where it's like if you if you prevent young boys from crying, then you have to teach men how to weep. Mm. And it's, it's a lot more dramatic <laughs> unless they, <laughs> unless they were able to do it, you know, but I had to learn how to do that, but yeah, just giving them the space. And so I think the, 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 sh the short answer after my long answer is that you don't have to have a lesson prepared. You just need to give them space to be, and just let them, let them talk like, Hey, we got five minutes to talk about, um, you know, getting in the right mindset in the last two minutes of the game. What do you guys think? Mm -hmm. And shut up, <laughs> let it be awkward. The coach that I just talked to, the biggest takeaway for him, I was like, you need to stop filling in the pauses yeah. with words. Because if you made a, an, a, a big statement and there's just a pause, then they can think about it. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, okay, here's this grandiose statement. And you know, it's really important for you to know that. And you should really remember that. And maybe, maybe you should write that down. <laughs> and the kid's just like, wait a minute, I don't even remember what you just said, because now right. you're giving me commands. But say something and shut up and then ask a question. And just wait, eventually, someone will feel so much pressure to talk that they'll be like, uh, here we go. Okay, since no one else is gonna talk. <laughs> yeah, totally. And they start talking, right. And then that leader, it's always the one of the leaders. Um, which is a learning point too. Cause then after the conversation, you can go up to that leader and be like, I'm really proud of you for speaking up. Mm -hmm. That was really good. And you don't normally speak up. So I want you to know, I noticed Yeah, that kid will remember that conversation for yeah, the rest God. of her life. Mm -hmm. Why do you love that coach so much? He helped me find my voice. Yeah. There you go. Oh, not, didn't you guys win a state title? Well, yeah, but he helped me find my voice. He made me feel seen. Mm-hmm. That's what we're, that's what you and I remember. Yeah. You know, you played at a high level and the coaches that knew us as people mm -hmm. were the ones that had more impact than anybody who taught us how to, you know, cross over. Yeah. You know, all the other little stuff. Well, that reminds me of, so I, what I think what you were just saying is like the coaches with their practice plans and their stuff. And they think they have to have this big practice plan for mindset and all this stuff. Like, I mean, really what we're, we're thinking about is like high-performing people tend to have a bias towards action, which is like great. And yet, are you able to get these coaches to stop? Are you able to get them to do five minutes of breathing? Are you able to get them to do visualization of the breath work or, or those sorts of things? Yeah, you can't change somebody's reality. You have to give them a different perspective so that they change the reality. Because if they believe that it's a waste of time, you can't just tell them, but it's not. Because they're like, no, it is. So what you do is you go, okay, you know how it's Tuesday. The kids have been in school all day. It's three o'clock. They get out of school at three. They're at the locker room at 3.15 and they're at practice at 3.30. And then it takes 45 minutes to get their focus. Right. So you basically waste <laughs> 45 minutes. Right. Or you take five or 10 minutes to let them get the willies out and let them have some fun and remind and kind of shift their mindset 
Now it doesn't take 45 minutes, it takes five minutes. Mm -hmm. And now you got 40 minutes back of good practice. Yeah. Try that. And that's how I, I tell my clients. It's like, look, it might not work for you. It will work every time. But I tell them it might not work for you. <laughs> and they're like, all right, I'll give it a go. 100% of the time. They're like, yeah, practice was a lot better. Practice was a lot better. And so it, it's really just getting them to try it. And it, it always works mm -hmm. because you have to look at practice through the eyes of the child. Mm -hmm. How is this experience for Jennifer? How, right. like, how is Thomas experiencing practice? Not like, oh, I did all these to-do lists. You know, this, we got all these things. I taught the, the back roll and all this. No, it's like, what was it when they went home? Were they just like, man, I'm really glad I'm on this team. Mm. I really, I really enjoy this. Coach loves me. I love that. Like the idea, I mean, all this stuff is so simple when it, you know, and you hear and you're like, a duh, but like a coach literally thinking about what the athlete's experience is. I remember I worked with, um, or met like this really famous, um, where he was really, uh, you know, had tons of accolades in the rowing community. And I remember him saying, like, he was kind of like minimizing pressure, right? And he was just kind of like, you know, call me when you have like a mortgage and you got fired from your job kind of thing. And that's real pressure. But, you know, you and I know, and he knows too, that pressure is all in our mind. So like a 13-year-old, to them, having one person in the stands is pressure. You know, it does, it's not about the actual thing. It's about how not they experience that. it. Having 5% on their phone. <laughs> will be enough to have a panic attack. They can't pressure focus. Like, wait a minute. Like, pressure is pressure. Just like loss is loss. Someone loses their dog and someone, you know, who's never lost anybody. It's the yeah. worst thing that's ever happened to them. Yeah. Someone loses their parent. That's the worst thing that, like, it's just, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's all um, subjective. Like, it's but personal. thinking it's about like, how they're really experiencing it because they're coming in with, you know, everything's going on in their life. And, uh, I just, I just love that sort of, I call it the Mr. Rogers approach. Yeah. Cause Mr. Rogers, he would ask questions to his guests that he knew that the child sitting on the other side of the camera would ask. Mm. And that's why he was so good. There was this one I saw a couple of years ago where he was, he was looking at this eye doctor and the eye doctor had a light flashing in Mr. Rogers eyes. And Mr. Rogers goes, can you see my thoughts? And the eye doctor's like, no, I can't see your thoughts. Those are private. He's a grown man. He knows you can't see thoughts. But the, the five-year-old sitting on the other side of the camera is going like, I don't want someone shining a light in my eyes. You're going to see what I think. And I'm going to get in trouble because I'm thinking about stealing those cookies in that cookie jar. Yeah. I'm going to get a whooping just because. And yeah. they're like, oh, Mr. Rogers told me that because he was thinking about that. So as a coach, I'd be like, how are the kids experiencing practice? How is my energy being reflected in their performance? Because if you ignore that stuff, it doesn't mean it's not real. It just means you're ignoring it. Yeah. Oh God. Can we just like, like highlight what you just said? Cause I think it's so true. Like their experience matters. And, and this is the thing, like, it's I the feel only like, thing that matters. Well, and the thing is, is that my guess is that the coaches that come to you, the coaches that come to me, like they actually really care about that stuff. Yeah. They, they want to be the ones that are like invited to their wedding when the kids grow up and like oh, yeah. they're in sports because they want human beings to be developed, not just basketball players, soccer players. Right. And yet they get stressed and they're, they're human themselves. So they have other things mm -hmm. in their life. They get into their own ego. They want to fix things. They want to take action. Right. And uh, a lot of times they end up forcing it, I think. Yeah. And the kids can sense it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as coaches, we can, 
you can see the silhouette of one of your athletes walking away from you. You know who that athlete is and you know how she's feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because you just know them really well. Yeah. Well, that student for the rest of their lives can see you walking down the hall yeah. and they'll recognize, oh, that's, that's coach Leith. Yeah. It's been 20 years since I've seen him. I've, I've seen it with coaches. I went back to my high school that I went to and, and I taught and I remember seeing an old coach walk away from me and I'm like, oh, that's coach Cordell. Yeah. And he's having a good day. He's got a little pep in his step. Yeah. Say hi to him. You know, like you can tell. And so, yeah. you know, even you and I, like when we're on this podcast, if somebody's listening to it, they can hear when we're smiling. Right. And you can also hear when we're like really serious. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it, they are, our athletes are going to mirror our energy. Yeah. They're going to mirror um, the excitement that we have. I had a coach during warm ups in football. He would, we'd be stretching and he'd be running around us, pretending to be in an airplane and making noises and stuff. And he just was loving. He was like, today's a great day for football. Mm-hmm. It's a great day for, it was raining, you know, or yeah. the sun's out. And he's like, it's a great day. It's always a great day. Did you see uh, Ted Lasso? I watched some of it, not all of okay. it. Okay. Yeah. So you probably didn't get to the point where they brought in this guy. All he ever said was football is life. No, no, I got there. Okay. Got there. So yeah, he, yeah. he's like, coach, coach, football is life. Yeah. <laughs> so great. I loved, oh, you just did those, the quotes from Ted Lasso. The goldfish yeah. one is my favorite. That, it's yeah, like, be the goldfish. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So speaking of like all these actionable things coaches can do and their energy and everything, I know you're getting, or have been real into breath work, cold plunges, all yeah. that stuff. So tell me what you're doing personally with well, all that jazz. Well, so I've started doing, um, we have an, uh, in my gym, it's like a resort. It's amazing. I pay for it though, but um, <laughs> they have outdoor pools and it's really cold. And so there's about 40 degrees. So I'll sit in the sauna for like 35, 40 minutes. And then I'll jump in the cold plunge and walk across. The, it's not a cold plunge, just a pool, but I'll walk yeah. across the pool. And then I'm just ready. I'm ready to go. Yeah. There are days where I'll be like, I'm not going to prepare myself. I'm just going to jump in the water and I'll walk. And then the next day I'll be like, all right, I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to tell myself this is going to be good. It's the same temperature. It's the same place. It's a completely different experience. Mm. When you want to take a cold shower, in the morning and you read about it and different things. If you tell yourself before you get in the shower, it's going to suck. Guess what? <laughs> it's going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. If you do it like Jocko Willink says, like when everything's hard, just smile and say it's good. Your body is listening. Mm-hmm. And so now you have the same physiological effect of standing in the cold, but you're not suffering. And you don't have to suffer to get the value out of doing a cold plunge. And then the, the breathing thing is just, for people who are like, there's no way I can meditate. It's active meditation mm-hmm. and you get the same benefits from it. And so you're able to like reduce your anxiety. You're able to, plus it's good for your joints and you know, the cold plunge and the breathing and stuff and getting oxygen. But uh, it's a, it's a, it's a mental toughness enhancement when you mm-hmm. are able to control your breathing and really. Yeah. And with the Wim Hof, the way I teach it and the way I learned from him is you breathe in, and exhale uh, 25 to 30 times. And then you take a deep breath and you exhale fully. And then you sit with an empty lungs for 30 seconds. And then you repeat it. Mm-hmm. And then you hold it for 60 seconds. And then you repeat everything. And so it can be up to like 40 minutes or so. But I do an 11 minute one, which is three rounds, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, and 90 seconds. Everybody can do it. Someone's like, I can't hold my breath for 15 seconds. I'm like, if you do this, I promise you, you can do it. And it always releases something in them. You get high on your own supply mm-hmm. and you get the eye rolls until yeah. you get them to do it. And then they love it. 
-hmm. And then you see them on the sideline doing their breathing. You know, I, I saw LeBron James a couple of days ago on, uh, he, he came out of the game and he sat down and he closed his eyes and you saw him breathing. Like that's the same thing that I'm teaching the 11 year old basketball player mm -hmm. in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. Amazing. Tell me some books that people should read besides uh, Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> um, so if you're, if you're coaching young boys, um, Ender's Game is I think one of the best books that you can read on really like or Orson Scott Card dives into the psychology of a young boy with a lot of pressure on him. Um, I forget called what it's, Ender's Game. Ender's Game. Yeah. It's a movie out there too. Okay. Um, for girls, uh, what made Sally run? Oh yeah. Oof. It's sad, but it, uh, gives... what made Maddie run? Ma Maddie, Maddie run. Thank you, Maddie. Yes. Yeah. What made Maddie run? Um, thank you. Yeah, that it, it's sad, but it just lets oh. you know it's like the pressure is overwhelming. And you know, the sports community, we lost a goalie a couple of days ago. I, I know. I'm not remembering her name right now, but um, things were yeah, good at Stanford, right? Yeah, it, it seemed like things were good, and they weren't. And anybody who was alive over the past two years knows that like depression is one breath away from everybody. And so reading books like this, you get a different perspective and it opens up your horizon. But um, I've been diving into those kind of books, uh, the fiction stuff, um, just because we're storytellers. As coaches, we're storytellers. Mm -hmm. The older I get and the more teams I work with, the more I realize that we speak in the language of stories. Yeah. So if we can be better storytellers. Well, if we, we want to be heard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bullets only in. go so far when it's like, I got bullet number one, bullet number two, bullet number three. It's like, or I have a story. Which is why Jordan Gordon is so, you know, his books, all he's doing is writing a story and throwing some bullets in there. You know, that yeah. um, John Maxwell did that years ago. And that's, it's the same formula, but mm -hmm. people relate to stories. And so I've been diving into more fiction or um, yeah, fiction than, than nonfiction recently. Yeah, that's cool. So cool. Um, there's no shortage of, of nonfiction books out there. I mean, oh, yeah. there's so many. Most yeah. are just repeating the same stuff, but yeah. I love a good like Norman Vincent Peale book or uh, a Jim Rohn, um, mm -hmm. like a Zig Ziglar. Like I'll read those kind of books. Like uh, those are fun. And instead of the more pop psychology stuff. Yeah. Recently. Cool. Um, one thing that I was, I was asked people at the end of uh, the podcast, one thing that either you're doing or you would recommend somebody that's you know, trying to start on their mindset journey or expand their mindset journey? What's one thing you would do maybe even every day or you recommend? Yeah. Uh, the Calm app. Mm. Give yourself five minutes of just silence. Let somebody walk you through a mental meditation. Uh, it, it seems so small and insignificant, but it really isn't. If you can start your day with something like that or right before you go back to work after your lunch, just go outside with nothing and walk around the pond or walk down the street mm -hmm. or something with don't worry about getting credit on your eye i watch like for the for the steps like just <laughs> just go like you don't have to listen to something or uh the next time you go to the grocery store keep the radio off just drive in silence yeah like notice some things around you um there's so many cool things going around us all the time we don't notice it because we bombard ourselves with with podcasts and music and calling on the phone and texting at the stoplight when we're not yeah. supposed to, but we're all doing it. Like, <laughs> like yeah. you know, um, 
just spend some time in silence and yeah. you get to know yourself a little bit. Uh, there was, there's this guy I was watching YouTube. He goes, if you're with somebody and you're miserable, there's something you can do about that. But if you're by yourself and you're miserable, that's on you. Mm -hmm. So get to know you and love yeah. you and you'll yeah. be able to love others more. Oh, well said, James, this has been amazing. I, so I've always, I always tell you this, but I love your service heart. You know, you are always giving and I can tell you're growing so much. Every time I talk to you, I learn so much and I see the growth in you. So thank you for sharing that with me and, and with the world. I so appreciate you. I received that. Thank you. And, and, you know, it's, it's why I love doing these things with you because same, you know, we, we've both grown over the, over the last few years and yeah. we're still in the game. So let's we're doing go. It. We're people doing are it. dropping um, off. <laughs> where can people find you? Um, so I've consolidated jamesleith.com. Everything is, is there. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, but just recently I've, I've, I've spent less time putting stuff out there and more time creating like big, good stuff Yeah. instead of just like posting every day or whatever, which every business coach will tell you to do, but it's like, you know, I'm just gonna, Steve Martin has this great quote, be so good that they can't ignore you. Yeah. Well, I'm sure everybody listening to this is going to come find you. So that's great. Good. Bring them. <laughs> Thanks so much, James. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, guys. Wow. Every time I sit down with James, I am blown away by just how much knowledge he has. You know, he's super well read. He's always pushing himself. He's doing like 1 million things. And the nice thing is he goes and does them. And then I feel like he takes one or two really good nuggets away from all of those things and then brings it back to his coaching and you and I get to benefit from that. So um, James is just awesome. As usual, you can go to the show notes at positiveperformancetraining.com or look in your podcast app and we'll have some links of all the things we talked about. You can go to jamesleaf.com, follow him on Instagram as well. But do me a favor. And if you like this episode, why don't you share it with somebody? Share it with a coach that, you know, thinks like you do, another person in your life, another human being that wants to improve their mindset. I just think there were so many takeaways as leaders and as people that are trying to push themselves, high performers, that we can take away. I love the idea of the Mr. Rogers effect. I think that's applicable to so much more than just coaching is figuring out the, the experience of the person that you're trying to influence. What is their actual experience? So simple, right? And yet it's so easy to just look through our own eyes and uh, think about how we are experiencing because that's our, that's our natural human instinct. Um, what else did I love? I love the improv ideas. I know James has a whole bunch of them coming out in his book as well, which we'll, we'll uh, put in the show notes when that's released. Um, so yeah, I just think there were so many things. I think I'm going to go back and listen to it because there were so many takeaways that I think can improve my coaching and my humanness. So yeah, if you like this, please subscribe to our podcast. Please share it with somebody you know that thinks like we do. And also, if you have the moment, I would so appreciate a review. All right, guys, we will see you next time. Thanks so much for joining. Bye for now.